know yet, uh, my name is Rollin. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's good to see you today. Um, a couple of quick announcements before I get started. Um, obviously, we are all excited that the warm weather is here, and uh, yes, praise the Lord. Um, and in the middle of this warm weather, um, Andrew and Allie, can you raise your hand just for a moment, please? Andrew and Allie took this time to get married. Give it up for Andrew and Allie. Yes. That's right. The heat brings out love, and they did it the right way, so we encourage you to do so. Um, it's also good uh, this, uh, this afternoon because uh, many of you thought you saw a doppelganger uh, as you walked into the church today, and no, I am not doing genetic testing on myself and multiplying myself to live eternally. It's actually my father who's with us today. It's my mother and father who are here today. <laughs> And so I say, yes, fast forward a few years, that is me. Um, (laughs) And so um, as they're in town, they're um, just doing what parents do, also dressing me. Thank you, Mom and Dad. (laughs) They're giving me a nice bright yellow shirt. And I surmise before we're finished, we'll also have the green and the black for the complete Jamaican flag. (laughs) So (laughs) so it's just great. So anyway, guys, it's good to be here today with you. And um, uh, I am excited because what we've been doing is we've been going through a series uh, as we get the summer started, as we get out of Easter and get into uh, the uh, post-resurrection moments of the church. And who is Jesus as the resurrected king? Who is the church as his body? And who are we to be as his church today in the cities in which we live? And so what we've been doing is we've been going through a series called Chicago Fire, the Spirit-Led Church in the City. And what we've been doing is going through um, the missionary journeys of uh, primarily a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul. And Paul, if you're not familiar with the Bible, was the writer by the Holy Spirit of three-fourths of the New Testament letters. And he was bringing the good news of Jesus, his life, miracles, death, burial, and resurrection to the known world. And so uh, we've been doing that, and over the past several weeks, we've been talking about how the church was impacted um, by his ministry. But uh, today, as we look again into uh, one of the cities where he stopped, where where he uh, was performing a lot of his signs, wonders, and miracles by the hand of God, and also seeing many come to Jesus because of these things, um, we want to talk about uh, Jesus and a church for all seasons. Jesus and a church for all seasons of life. Um, and uh, the reason that we're talking about that is because many of us in here have come to God or, or even in the church today at different seasons of life. And the good news is, is that in whatever season you find yourself, God is still eternal, he is still king, he is still very relevant, and he's very much wanting to be involved, the leader, the director, the counselor, the guide, the comforter, the provider, the stronghold in times of trouble in each and every season. And a lot of times, depending on the season in which we first came to know God, um, we can oftentimes define our walk with God by that season. If you understand what I mean by that, it's like if you were um, a young person and you came to God, then a lot of times you have a fondness of God in your faith because you remember your childlike faith and growing up in the church and around the things of God and being around your parents who took you to Sunday school and things of that nature. So there was a certain mark that was on you uh, in your development during that season of life. Or if you, like myself, came to God when you were a little bit older, um, I, I 
I will often define my uh, experience in God um, by my college experience, right? Because I came to Jesus in college, and so it was sort of like I was a free wheeler, free dealer, right? And it's like before I was, I always talk about how the, uh, my wife who grew up a pastor's kid in the church was one type of PK. Um, she was a pastor's kid and I was another type of PK. I was the party kid. And so you see, you see the two eventually coming together after I start serving Jesus, mind you. Um, but we see that my life in God was defined by that season of life. But it's often um, challenging whenever we're passing through different seasons to actually relate to God in the same way. It's often a challenge to actually maintain the zeal that you had for him in that defining moment or that moment where you feel like you first met him throughout the different seasons of life. Because what we know is that we'll all, what life is about ultimately is about different seasons that we pass through, right? And that's part of the good news. It's sort of like you have your childhood, you have your adolescence, you have your adulthood, you have your time where you're building a family, and then eventually you're an empty nester. Thank you, mom and dad. And then you see that eventually you're in a place where you're giving to the next generation, right? And in all of these different seasons, each of these different seasons have different challenges, but if we're not careful, we can learn to relate to God in that first season, but not the others. Because when the circumstances change, then it's hard to keep your footing, right? It's sort of like if I'm in the middle of a career change or a job change, how do I still stay established in God, his purposes, his ways in the midst of the new life experiences and challenges that I'm experiencing? Or if um, my children... The count is going from one to two to three, and now my wife and I have officially multiplied with four. You know what I mean? How do I continue to keep my grounding in God in the midst of that changing season, right? So we look to God in the midst of that, and we see, we're going to see that today as Paul goes through Acts. So let's pick up in the Bible at Acts, in Acts chapter 19, verses 21 through 41, <coughs> and what we'll see is how Paul kept his grounding in God through his church and the different seasons that he found himself in. So let's all. He said, now after these events, and the events that we were speaking about are the events from last week, where God was performing signs, wonders, miracles. There were all types of things happening, and people were coming to the Lord en masse. He said, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. And if you remember from last week, and um, we see that Paul had ministered there for at least a two-plus-year period until all the people in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, isn't that a mission, right? Isn't that good news? Isn't that an ambition that we should have even in our city? Okay, I'm going to ask one more time. Isn't that an ambition that we should have in our city? That all the 2.7 million people in the downtown area and the 9.3 million in the Chicago land area would actually have an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus and hear the word of the Lord. So all of a sudden we're seeing that Paul um, is responding to this. He goes into another season, sends Timothy and Erastus, and he himself stayed in Asia for a while. But about that time there were silver shrines to Artemis which brought no little business to the craftsmen. Artemis, if you're uh, not familiar, was one of the Greek goddesses, and she was a goddess of fertility. She was a goddess of the hunt. You know, she was a goddess of, you know, just uh, basically, um, um, she was seen as almost like a midwife um, during the times of uh, fertility for women, and uh, people looked to her for their help. 
And it said that the, these he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that the gods made with, the ha- with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the <clears throat> Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion. And most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the assembly, um, some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Okay. So here is this account, and you see that this is on the heels of Paul having great ministry success in the city of Ephesus. Signs, wonders, miracles were taking place so that even the handkerchiefs that had touched Paul were actually being taken to those who were sick and they were being healed of their diseases, okay? Good news, right? When the church is on the move, we believe for good things to happen, right? And such such miracles to happen and such transformation of people's lives to happen. So they were on a season of upswing, But then you get to a place where you recognize that when the gospel goes forward, it begins to impact the social and also the economic fabric of the cities in which it finds itself, if if the church is in fact doing its job. Isn't that not right? All of a sudden you hear stories of times of revival in different cities and the places that used to um, be known as bars full of drunkenness and full of all types of immorality begin to be transformed into churches instead of actually places of licentiousness. You see that the crime rates in areas begin to go down. You see that fathers begin to return to homes and begin to take responsibility for the children that they've born. And you see that the fabric of society begins to change, right? In that what we expect when the gospel is going forward. But what you also see is that, for instance, we know that even in the city of Chicago, Chicago is one of the most highly trafficked cities in America. If you're not familiar with human trafficking, it's an unfortunate reality where there is a modern slavery that's taking place in our city today, where girls are abducted, and not just girls, but young men are abducted and sold into slavery 
And what happens is that for the duration of their lifetime, they're like treated as slaves for people's pleasures, right? And that's happening today in our city. But we're believing that as the gospel goes forward, it's going to affect not only the social fabric, but also the economic fabric of our city. And the things that are actually being, it's being built upon, the things that are taking place, like the pornography industry, which is rampant in our city, which makes no small business amongst us, would actually begin to be affected and decrease because the gospel is going forward in power and in purity. How many people can say amen to that? And so all of a sudden you see that what's happening is the gospel is going forth in power. The business that was built on evil or business that was built on these things that were opposed to the ways and the commands of God are being affected and the businessmen begin to push back against it. They're like, listen, I don't like what's going on here. We've made a whole lot of money based on this trade that we've built our worlds upon, and now this gospel that's going forward is affecting us. So they began to, in the midst of the revival that was taking place because of Paul's preaching, God's signs, wonders, and miracles going forward, the season began to change. And instead of a celebration, there was great persecution that broke out. The times began to change. Why? Because the gospel was doing its work. The times and the seasons began to change because the gospel was getting a, heart, a hold of the hearts of men and women, and it was changing the environment in which they lived. First the internal environment, and then the external one, right? That is how the kingdom of God works. He says the kingdom of God is within you. It starts internally, and then it works itself out externally into the communities around you. But when the seasons change, you need to have a buffer. You need to have a buffer that's going to help you be established in the things of God. And we're going to talk about it in three ways, in the three P's that God gives us. Because when the seasons change, you can lose your grounding. You could have thought Paul himself would have been so encouraged by all that was going on. But then all of a sudden, a riot forms against him. A riot forms against them and they're shouting, forget Jehovah, forget the God you're preaching about, forget this resurrected Jesus, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And I don't know about you, but I am overwhelmed at times by the riotous nature of even social media. Is anybody ever concerned about that? The riotous nature of social media, where people get into groupthink, You know what I mean by groupthink, right? People forget to reason through what it is that they're even clinging to or what it is that they're standing on. They're being driven along by emotion. They're being driven along by social constructs. And they begin in groupthink to shout in riotous nature, great are the gods that we serve that stand opposed to yours. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you've ever, I'll just tell you again, as I've said many times before, I don't have a Facebook page. I use my wife's. (laughs) But part of the reason that I don't is because, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I don't, but because I know me. I know me. Anybody know yourself well enough to cut off your hand so you won't sin? (laughs) Okay? Yeah, and it's sort of like knowing me, when I see or I hear certain things, I don't have a passive nature. I don't know if you could tell, but I don't have a passive nature about me. And when I hear things that don't just feel right, my natural inclination is to respond. Anybody else a responder in here? Anybody ever been embarrassed by your response? 
Yes, Dad. Okay, so it's sort of like, <clears throat> yes, it's like the response that people have. It's basically groupthink and riotous in nature. And what happens is that you can, in that moment, lose your footing and your grounding if you're not established, connected to the head, the eternal living God and his word, which does not change, and also his commands that apply to all generations. All generations. Because in the church, though the seasons change, God does not Though the culture changes, God does not. And what was good for a generation many years ago, and what I'm not talking about are cultural norms. You hear me? We're not talking about 1950s culture. Hello, because that wasn't good for me either. (laughs) Hello. That wasn't good for brother man right here. 1950s culture. We're not talking about 1950s American culture. We're talking about the eternal commands of God that speak to the flourishing of all humanity, all creation, and all generations. And whenever the seasons change, you've got to have his word that grounds you in the three Ps. Number one, the person of God. Number two, the purposes of God. And then number three, the provision of God. The person of God, the purposes of God, and the provision of God. Because in this context, Paul went from a high and then he went to a challenging low. It's like, whoa, everybody that I was, was first excited bringing into all their you know, scrolls into the marketplace and burning them, no more witchcraft. We were like, yay, party. And then now they're like, we won't kill you, Paul. <laughs> Changing of seasons. Well, number one, you've got to have Jesus the head and his church because there's what's called orthodoxy in the church. Even in the church world today, you see that people will change their whims to fit the culture in which they find themselves. You see, to fill seats, to keep a tithe going, to keep a an attendance sheet long, they will change the commands of God to fit the culture in which they live. Now, unfortunately, when we look at the Bible, we see over and over again that God called that an abomination. And God had to judge his people whenever they rejected his person to fit the culture in which they lived. And what God describes his church as is the pillar and foundation of truth in society. We as the church in the Western world are not acting as the pillar and foundation of the truth when we reject his person and begin to make him a caricature to fit our culture. And what we've got to do is actually cling to his word. Why? Because the Bible says very clearly, if you want to know Jesus, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and the word became flesh. And he made his dwelling amongst us. And so if we're going to know God, we've got to know his word. 
you don't need to be more a student of your culture than you are of the Word of God. You don't need to follow more trends and hashtags in society than you do the chapters and verses that are clearly there in His written Word. If you're going to hang your hat on something, hang it on His nature, His character, which is sure and steadfast, and he says, it's for your good. He said, what do I ask of you, O Israel, but to obey all my commands, statutes, decrees, and laws for your own good? God only wants good for people, but he says, if you would but follow my ways, I would have given you the most delightful inheritance of any nation, right? Anyway, I'm not talking about America here. I'm talking about the nations. Hello. Right, because our family comes from Jamaica, so I'm hoping it goes all about it. All right, so. <laughs> so here's the thing. You've got to know his person. The only thing, way you're going to know his person is by his word, despite the changing seasons. The church should help you do that. Whenever you're confused, let me tell you who'd be happy to talk to you. God. Guess who else would be happy to talk to you if you're having trouble hearing him? Yes. Yes, me. <laughs> yes. Yes. To open this word together and say, if you don't know chapter and verse, guess what? We've got one for you. Guess what? Pastor Cole, he loves this Bible. He will open it. And sometimes he won't even greet you. He'll just quote the scripture to you. You'll be like, hey, Cole. He'll be like, well, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. <laughs> and I'm like, well, God bless him. This is great. The word is upon his lips, right? That's what he said to do. And in the church, you get to know the person of God, your community group leaders. What are they doing? They're trying to share the word of God with you to see you deep in the things of God. But not only the word, um, the person of God, his purposes. In the midst of changing seasons, in the midst of changing responsibilities, it's easy to get bumped off track in terms of how you're spending your time, your talent, and your resources, is it not? It is a challenge. Some of you in here are just starting careers. Some of you are in the middle of job transitions. Some of you are trying to figure out what is it that I'm called to do, and you need an anchor for your soul. You need an anchor for your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions that are going to be shaping the next 20, 30, 40 years of your life. And guess what? The head gives you his body to help you do that. When you see that Paul was in the midst of his changing season, right? He was in the middle of preaching, going about doing all these different things, but when the tide changed, right? He was like, all right, Paul was a fighter too, right? He was like, great as Artemis of the Ephesians. Oh, well, I got a word for you too, <laughs> right? Talking about going out into the crowd. He was, he was ready to fight, right? He was historically a shorter, bald Jewish man, you know? So I was like, you know, I'm like, all right, Paul's ready to rumble. And the people are like, Paul, please. <laughs> Paul, back up for just a minute, please. Because there was a riot outside. Paul was willing to take the battle to the people that he felt like were opposing the things of God, but the church helped him stay in the pocket, is what I'll say using football terms. Stay in the pocket, right? Have you ever had somebody help hold you back from the error of your own ways? Now, naturally, we think about sin, right? 
I always talk about friends that I have that, you know, call me on the phone and say, you know, Rollin, you must be holy and hang up on me, you know? And I'm like, I appreciate that. Because I know not only do I have to answer to God, but I'll have to talk to them too. And I don't want to be confessing things that I'll just be embarrassed by, right? <laughs> Practical. But it's also things that might actually affect your trajectory. Paul was willing to take the fight to the Ephesians, but they were like, listen, Paul, live to fight another day. Live to fight another day. Because how many people knew in the middle of that riot, he probably would have been taken out. Paul, zealous for the things of God, would have gone right into that riot where there were unreasoning people, right? And he's like, no, God! And then immediately a stone hits him. <laughs> and Paul's down. And then, you know, kicking him, you know, bludgeoning him. But he had a church that was actually saying, hold up, Paul, remember what Jesus said. If you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. Why? So that it can continue to go on. Doesn't mean that eventually you're not going to have your head chopped off by Nero. That was Paul's ultimate destiny. But in that moment, they were helping him to be established in the purposes of God grounded in it. My question for you is in the midst of changing seasons in your life, when you have more children, when you're believing for children, when you are changing careers, who is helping you sort through that so you're still anchored in the purposes of God? Who is helping you do that? Because Paul, if Paul had some people to help him out, how many people believe that we do too? We need that too. Paul the Apostle, writer of three-fourths of the New Testament letters. Think he heard from God? Think he had a deep and intimate relationship with God? That's what we always talk about, right? Especially in this Western world. Oh, I can hear from the Lord myself. I don't need anybody to tell me anything. I'm grown. Well, Paul the Apostle literally was able to see God continue the work of Acts because he listened listened to the counsel that he was given, helping him stay established in the purposes of God in the midst of changing seasons. Hello. Now, what that does is it strikes against all of our independent streaks. Hey. <laughs> Anybody want to admit in here you're a bit independent? That's all right, yeah. Anybody want to admit that you take pride in your independence? I don't need nobody. <laughs> I'm my own man. Matter of fact, if you need something, come talk to me. <laughs> could Paul not have said that? Yes, he could have. But he kept in the purposes of God by the church that he was given. And then number three, he was also reminded of the provision of God. The provision of God. Let me tell you something. In the changing seasons, and let me talk very practically now about the changing seasons, okay? I remember um, being a serial dater. Was anybody else in here a serial dater? Yeah, you went from person to person to person. You got bored real quick. And then you were like, I don't like that earlobe. And so I'm going to move on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's just reality. But then all of a sudden, I came to God, and I was like, oh, wait, this is good. New life, 
New life in Christ. <laughs> I don't have to just be the PK anymore, right? There's more purpose for my life than, uh, right? So <clears throat> all of a sudden, <laughs> in the changing season, at first I thought, hey, it's just going to be me and Jesus. And I remember B. B is my wife, if you don't know her. She's in the children's ministry right now. She got, you know, really radically saved, and then she felt the same way. She's like, it's going to be me and Jesus. I was like, all right. I was like, I'm feeling that, girl. <laughs> and so what we did is we started our own club. It was called the Celibacy Club. <clears throat> like, yeah, we're holy. But then I started noticing her, and I was like, hey, girl. <laughs> and the two founders of the celibacy club eventually got married. <laughs> and it was because God had opened my mind and my heart to in the midst of changing seasons, not only his person and his purpose, but also his provision. And my natural temptation as a serial dater back in the day was to think, Hey, if I'm going to get the things my soul needs, which is like a, you know, a significant other, if I don't see it in the church now, I need to go find it for myself. Hello. And if these men, you might say as a woman, won't step up and take responsibility, and give themselves over to some commitment, I'm going to go find somebody who will outside of the house. What God said, though, is he's got provision for you in the midst of your changing seasons. You might have to wait on it, but he's got it. Hello. You might have to wait on it, but he's got it. You know how long after being a serial dater that I was by myself? Now, you might not think this is long, but this was long to me. <laughs> Three years. Now, 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 hold on now. You might be like, okay, Ryan. <laughs> Three years. Been all my life. Okay, listen. Three years was a long time for a brother who has always had someone on his side to be alone. And in my soul, I felt an aching. I felt a hunger. And on that campus, I was like, hey, you. And my eyes started going to places that my provision didn't need to come from. But God said to me, if you would just be blameless in your walk before me, no good thing will I withhold from you. That's my promise to you. No good thing. And so all of a sudden, when B came along, I was like, hallelujah. God's word is true. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. But if you take it into your own hand, the changing season can actually be a detriment to you. Or if you try to put things together by your own hand. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or how about if you're waiting in a season through marital difficulties? 
I'm getting real sensitive now, okay? Marital difficulties and things aren't how you want them to be in your relating with your spouse. Talk to many a man who says, if she won't give me what I'll need, I'm going to find it elsewhere. Brazenly. Brazenly. If she's not giving me what I need, I'm going to find it elsewhere. Instead of, instead of saying, I'm in the midst of a changing season, right? Because you think about it, why you were together in the first place is because there was a season that started off good, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be together. Hello? You wouldn't be together unless it started off good. But then something happened along the way. Life happens, right? Seasons change, responsibilities change, pressures change, and then all of a sudden, the thrill is gone. And the thrill is gone away. And unless you're willing to ground yourself in the provision of God in the midst of changing seasons, you won't sow in the manner that you need to to actually see fruitfulness when this, that season can actually, and believe that that season can actually change too. If you're having marital difficulties, God says that season can change too. But you've got to know it's my provision for you. Now who's going to remind you of that? Who's going to remind you of that? Your flesh? No. Your flesh is looking for the dough. Is it not? Your flesh is looking for, get me out of here. I'm looking for one more reason. Just give me one more reason. Anybody ever talk to their spouse? One more time. (laughs) Anybody ever listen to Pink? Okay. I was like, wow, where's the real holy? Listen, one of my favorite songs is Just Give Me a Reason, Just a Little Bit's Enough, Just a Moment. All right, so, so I'm blowing it already. Okay. <laughs> we can learn to love again. You know that one? It's just written on my Okay, whatever. All right, so <laughs> YouTube, iTunes, whatever. Okay, but you get it. God's got provision for you, and you need people in your life who are going to remind you of his provision until it comes through. You hear me now? You need people who are going to remind you of his provision until it comes through. Until it comes through. Until it comes through. Everybody say that with me. Until it comes through. Until it comes through. Has anybody actually experienced that? Actually experienced the provision of God, but after a long time of waiting? Come on, raise your hand high. I just need, I need a visual right now, even from my own heart. Yes, a long time of waiting, his provision. But how many people in the midst of waiting actually had some encouragement from the head and also from his church to help remind you of that? Okay. Let me tell you why, and this is where we're going to end. It's because, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, he says, whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Whatever affects you directly affects all of us indirectly. Do you know that? In culture and society, as a church, whatever affects you directly affects us all indirectly. But the reason that we're able to remind each other of God's person, his provision, and his purposes is because of Paul's admonition in Romans. Romans 12, 9 through 21, he said, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. And then in the midst of the changing um, nature of the culture and all the uh, things that are going on, he says, abhor what is evil. 
Here, here's your grounding. Abhor what is evil. So that means you need to be able to call what's good, good, by God's standard. Hello? You need to be able to call what's good, good, by God's standard. But how about this? What's evil, evil, by God's standard. That's how you're reminded of his person, right? Do you know there are actual good things and there are actual evil things? Can everybody say that? Yes. We always think about outlandish, you know what I mean, <clears throat> examples as if like they won't affect us. But how many people know like the discrimination and the racism in our city, it's an evil. It's an evil. The treatment of women in our city, it's an evil. Okay. Listen, yes. Listen, I have two daughters now. Yes, it's an evil. The way that people relate to God is an evil. You know, the Bible talks about God-haters. And listen, I love my natural dad, but I love my heavenly father even more. And if anybody spoke about my natural dad, I'd be like, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> right? What would you say? I have short sleeves on, but I still go on. <laughs> right? <laughs> How much more our heavenly father? He says... In changing seasons, love must be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. You've heard me say this for the past several messages. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. How about this now? In the midst of opposition, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Yeah! Isn't that the way Christians should live? Yes! Who's going to remind you of that? God and His Word. Bless and do not curse. And here it goes now. Here's the church. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Why? Because your pain is my pain. Your joy is my joy. And if we actually belong to one another, as we're going through the different seasons, there will be highs and lows. And when you're in pain, suffering for something even you're believing for, guess what? Your church is with you. We are with you. And we'll rejoice when you're rejoicing. We'll also weep when you're weeping. This is who we should be as a people. He said, live in harmony with one another and do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. It doesn't matter if you feel like they deserve it or not. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Hello, does this sound contrary to the spirit of the riding spirit? You see that? The, the th greatest Artemis of the Ephesians. Oh, I'm mad. I'm going to rage right back against the machine. Tell them how I hate them, right? 
It's like, where does, where's that in the Bible? Christians? He says, do not repay evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable instead of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Those who agree with you and those who do not. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Never. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. Keep going. To the contrary, if your enemy, somebody you see as an enemy, is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. You want to get back at somebody? Be nice to him. You want to see somebody feel embarrassed by the way they're treating you? Love them. Hello, love them. Love them well. Have you ever been mistreated by someone before? Oh, wow, I mean, you hang in your circle then. Okay, listen, yes. It's like, listen, but what our natural inclination to do is to return fire with fire. But he says, do the opposite. Work in the opposite spirit. He says, if they're hungry, give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, that's a high task. That's a, that's a lofty task, right? Anybody feel challenged in this? Let me tell you what's going to... Let me tell you what's going to help you. Let me tell you what's going to help you. God the head and Jesus the son and his church. Let me tell you another thing, the last thing I'll say that I appreciate about people like Gold. We travel a bit together, you know. And uh, one of the things I've had to overcome in my life in general is just a quick temper. Anybody else like me? I said, answer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I like so much being with Cole because he's like my foil. Foil like Don Quixote. Like Don Quixote. Don Quixote. Right? It's like when I'm ready to pounce, I look at him and I'm like, listen, you ready to pounce too, babe? He's like, I love him. And I'm like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But God's wisdom prevails, thank you. And I thank God that the provision is there to help remind me of God's person, God's purpose, and God's provision in the middle of changing seasons because I've had plenty of highs, but also plenty of lows. And you better believe I need the head and the anchor, meaning his body, to go through them all. 
So whenever Jesus is talking to us, he says, listen, I've got, a, I've got my love for you, my gospel towards you. I can change you. I can touch you. I can forgive you. I can make you a new man or woman. But then I've got my people who will help steer you into my person, my purpose, and my provision for your life. And if you can embrace all of those, like Paul, despite changing seasons, you'll continue the advance to God's kingdom glory till the day he sees us face to face, whether by his return or our ultimate going to meet him. And that's the good news of the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, worship team, come on back.